Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Today we're going to talk about Jacob, and I'm excited to look at Jacob. Now, now where we got the idea of this series, why are we talking about heroes of the faith, is because of this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The writer of Hebrews is saying, we're in a race. He says, you and I, we are in a race of faith. And he's saying, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and they are cheering us on, right? If you were to read Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the hall of faith, right? Christians call it the hall of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it names so many greats of the faith, right? It says, by faith, Moses, and by faith, Abraham, and by faith, David, and by faith, blah, blah, blah. By faith, it says, all these men and women of God that did incredible things. And then in chapter 12, it says, hey, they're surrounding us. We have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And they're saying, hey, I ran the race and I was able to finish it. That means you can run the race and you can finish it well. I don't know about you, but I get excited to think that David is up in heaven. Moses is in heaven. Noah's in heaven. He's looking down saying, Alex, you can make it. Come on, you can make it. Mo, you can make it in the race. Come on, you can make it. God is with you. God is on your side. Come on, we got witnesses in heaven cheering us on. Does that excite anybody? They're saying, I've been in the race, and I wanted to tap out, and I had a whole lot of issues, but God saw me through, and now they're, they're cheering us on. That's why we're talking about heroes of the faith. And today, Jacob, Jacob is an interesting character. Jacob has a whole bunch of issues in his life. And where we're picking it up in chapter 32, he's right in the middle, I would say the climax of his life, a very important moment of his life where he is going through it. I mean, right now, he, he is in the battle with somebody. He's wrestling with somebody. And this is an important moment in his life. Look at Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till what? Till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God with humans and have overcome. Jacob is in a wrestling fight. We see Jacob gets injured. They ask him his name and his name is changed. We're gonna talk about that and I think as we look at Jacob's life and talk about that moment, it's gonna help us here today. And I believe looking at this great hero of the faith is going to bless us and leave us different than how we came in, amen? Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads and let's just ask God to bless us this afternoon. Father, thank you for this 1 p.m. service. Thank you that we get to gather here in your house to worship you and to honor you. Thank you for everything that you've done today so far. Thank you for all the people that have gotten baptized. Thank you for that 9 a.m., the 11 a.m. Thank you for this 1 p.m. Thank you for the 7 p.m. tonight in our city campus. Thank you for what you're doing across the life of this family, this church, this house. God, if anybody walked in today discouraged, if anybody walked in with their head down and and not believing, not having faith that you can do it again, God, I pray that you... You just breathe on them this afternoon, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work 
in their heart. Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them and they would leave different than how they walked in. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And thank you that KD and Steph Curry are winning game two again tonight. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Come on, 1 p.m. Can you give Jesus one more shout of praise as loud as you can? Come on, 1 p.m. Looking at Jacob's life is, is actually extremely interesting because if you were to see the beginning of his life, you were to question how he made it to Hebrews chapter 11, right? If we read Hebrews chapter 11, we see all these great men and women of God in Hebrews chapter 11, and, and we say, whoa, my goodness, they, they are awesome men and women of faith, right? Jacob is considered a hero of the faith. Like, this man is incredible. Like, you read through Hebrews 11, and you're like, oh, my God, this is an awesome man of God, an incredible woman of God. This is amazing. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of awesome and great names. And if we were only to go based off of Hebrews chapter 11, we would think that Jacob never struggled, never had an issue, and always had incredible faith. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God included Genesis in the Bible because we get to go back and see some of Jacob's story. Because how many know you can see somebody's end in life and not know what they went through at the beginning and a lot of times see the struggle and the heartache and the issues that they had. And I think for us, it's an extremely great lesson today as we look at Jacob's life. There's a lot to learn from his life because Genesis is included. And in Genesis, the boy struggled. <laughs> in Genesis, he had some issues in his life. How many know God uses people with issues? Is anybody glad that God uses people with issues? Like you were to look at Genesis and you were to look at the beginning of Jacob's life and you would say, oh, my God, this boy needs help. Like he had some serious, serious issues in his life. Like the dude, he had some problems in his life. There were some problems that he had. But more importantly, Jacob had a, a very hard time with faith, yet he's considered in Hebrews a man of faith. But at the beginning of his life, he struggled with faith because Jacob, one of his biggest struggles, one of the things that he had the biggest problem with is this thing called control. Has anybody ever struggled with something called control? Where you just want to control life, you want to control your environment, you want to control relationships, you want to control people, you want to make sure you control your destiny, your future control. We're human beings who like control. And Jacob wanted to control his whole life. I think a lot of us, we have a tendency to want to have control. Either we like it or we don't like it when we don't have control. Does anybody know a controlling person? Don't point at them right now. This is, that would just be really awkward. <laughs> we all struggle with it. Like, I'll give you an example. Have you ever been in the backseat of a car and somebody else is controlling the radio or the AC? And you hate the music and you are either too cold or too hot. You want control of the car. You're like, I should have sat in the front. I don't have control of this thing. I'll give you an example. When I was young, um, when you don't have a car, a lot of us, you know, teenagers, let's say, I'll say a lot of us teenagers. I still think I'm young. Um, <laughs> when we're teenagers, we, one of the things that we struggle with the most is that we have to do whatever our parents tell us. And, and that's a good thing. You should. But, but I'll give you an example. My parents would take us everywhere with them. And let's say they went to go visit a friend's house. After a while, you're like, I really want to go home. There's nothing but older people in this house, right? And so I would approach my mom or my dad, and I'll say, Mom, Dad, uh, can we go already? I really want to go home. I want to go home and go play some basketball with my friends. And if you have a Hispanic parent, this is their reaction. Sit down right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Like, they don't even open their teeth, like their mouth. They're just like, sit No vamos cuando yo me voy. And you're upset because you don't have control. You want control until the day you get a car and now you have control and you think that the car brings freedom when actually it doesn't bring freedom. Right? But you want control. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and you guys are arguing back and forth and, and you, you, because you like control, because you always want to be right, you want to say the last thing in the argument? And so as they're walking away, we're like, if you shouldn't have done that, we would not have been here. Excuse me? Did you say something? You know, when they come back in the room, like, did you just mumble? Me and Nana, it's never happened to us, but maybe it's happened to you. But you always want control of the argument. You always want control of your life, right? This is something we all struggle with. We want control. We get, com- we don't, we get uncomfortable when we don't have control. We don't like it when we don't have control. And here's the big problem. When you try to control everything, you will end up in chaos. When you try to control everything, you will end up in chaos. You'll try to control people. You'll try to control relationships. You'll try to control your future. You'll try to control your father. You're trying to get a hold of everything. You will end up in chaos. In fact, if Jacob was alive today and if Jacob was here, he would be telling us, let God have full control of your life. Jacob will be telling us, let God have full control of your life. This is for somebody this afternoon. Let God have full, not halfway, not one quarter, not three quarters. Jacob would say, let God have full control of your life. Some of us, we say we're Christians and we've been following Jesus for a long time. He has our heart, but he doesn't have our relationship. He has our heart, but he doesn't have our marriage. He has our heart, but he doesn't have our dating life. Hello. He has our heart, but he doesn't have our finances. And Jacob would say, let God take what? Full control of your life. Let God take. Some of us think that the more control we have, the more freedom we have. But it's actually the opposite. The more you let God control you, the more freedom you will have in you. The more you let God control you, we think, no, if I control everything, then I'll be free to do everything I want. The opposite is true. The more God controls you, the more freedom you will have in you. And here's the thing. If you can lay down the burden of control, you can receive the blessing of freedom. If you can lay down that burden, if you can say, okay, my my struggle, my need to control everything, if I can lay it down, then I can receive the blessing of freedom. Some people in here, you need to lay down the control of the spirit tonight. This afternoon, you need to lay it down. You need to say, you know what? I need to stop controlling my life. I need to stop controlling my future. I need to stop controlling people around me. I need to stop trying to control everything. And I need to trust God that he's in control. He's a good God. He has a hope and a future for my life. I will trust in him. We got to lay down control. Jacob, Jacob from the beginning. I'm glad we can have Genesis because we can go back to the beginning and we can see that Jacob, he had some issues in his life from the moment he was conceived. I mean, you know you got problems if from the moment you were conceived, you were causing some issues. The Bible says that his mom gets pregnant with him, and now they're twins, right? It's, it's, it's a Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, they're in their mother's womb, and both of them already start fighting in the womb, like brothers do. Like, anybody got brothers that you fight with brothers, right? They're fighting in the womb. One of them is calling shotgun. They're not even out the womb yet, and they're just fighting. Talk about the control. Talk about the AC. Talk about the mute. They're fighting in there. And the Bible says that when, when the mom goes to give birth, Esau comes out first. 
But when Esau comes out, Jacob is holding on to his ankle or to his heel. In other words, Jacob is saying, no, wait a minute. You don't go out first. I want to go out first. Jacob, from the moment he's born, he's trying to gain control of his life. In fact, the name Jacob actually means deceiver or heel catcher. In today's terms, we'll call it a hustler. <laughs> he's a guy. Another word is the Old Testament word is supplanter. And supplanter means that he will trip up anybody to try to gain control. He'll get ahead in life by any means necessary. He'll lie if he has to. He'll deceive if he has to. He'll cheat if he has to. He'll do anything he can to get ahead in life. This is who Jacob is. Jacob is a cheater. Jacob is the type of person that if you run a race with him, he will trip you so he ends up first. If you're playing basketball with him, he'll poke you in the eye so you don't score a basket. Right? Like, this is Jacob. Jacob is, he doesn't care. He's going to come out first. And from the moment he's born, he's a deceiver, a cheater, a liar trying to get ahead of life. He has control of his own life. He has control of his own destiny. And we see that it only leads him to problems because now when he matures and he's of age, let's say he's 19, 20 years old, one day his brother is out hunting. His brother was a hunter. His brother was a hairy man. His brother's the one that came out first. So his brother had a blessing and he knows, he, re he recognizes that his brother is hungry. And the Bible says that his brother comes back home and Jacob's like, you know what? I know my brother's starving. I'm going to cook something really good so that he will give me the blessing for this plate of food. And they said, the Bible says that Jacob starts to cook and he cooks the super lentils, un mofongo, and He's here cooking, right? He's cooking up this plate. And the brother comes home and he comes in and he says, hey, Esau, you hungry? Esau's like, I'm starving. Have you ever been so hungry that you're not hungry, you're not hangry? Right? That's Esau. Esau's hangry. And he's like, hey, if you give me your blessing, your birthright, I'll give you this plate of food. Esau's like, I don't care. Whatever. I'm, I'm so hungry. Give it to me anyways. By the way, Esau, what he did is that he traded his future to fulfill his appetite. Some of us, we trade our futures to go after our appetites. But that's a whole nother preaching. But, but, but it says that Esau says, yeah, just give me, give me the plate of food. And he gives up his future and he gives it to Jacob. Jacob's like, ha, ha, I tricked him. I'm a deceiver. I'm a cheater. I'm a liar. Right? And he keeps going. All of a sudden, then the next thing he wants, he wants his dad to bless him. So what does he do? He dresses up like his brother. He makes sure he smells like his brother. His dad is blind and he goes up before his dad and he says, hey, I'm Esau. Can you bless me? Back in the day when somebody would lay hands on you and bless you, it meant something that you can't take back. I think nowadays everybody lies and everybody cheats. So nowadays we don't take people's words seriously. But back in the day, if you spoke a word, it was serious. And so the dad lays hands on him and he says, this is Esau. You sure? Okay, I bless you. And he, he spoke a blessing over him. It was something that he couldn't take back. And Jacob now thinks he has deceived everybody. I've controlled my destiny. I've controlled my future. I got a blessing on my own hands. I got away with it. I am too smart for everybody. I can control people. I can manipulate people. I can manipulate my life. I can manipulate my way through life, and nobody will ever know. I mean, you know, every time you try to take control, you will end up in chaos. Every time you try to do something on your own, you will end up in chaos. And the Bible says that now the brother, he's enraged. The brother's upset. He realizes what Jacob does. And he goes after Jacob. And Jacob now has to run for his life. And he has to leave home. Jacob is now running for his life. Because Jacob, what he didn't do is that he didn't trust God. The first thing we need to understand is that we need to trust God. And we need to trust his word. In Genesis chapter 25... God had already spoken over Jacob's life. 
When, he, when his mother got conceived with the twins, the Bible says that God gave her a prophecy. God gave her a word and told her there's two sons in you, but the older is going to serve the younger. God already had a plan for Jacob. But when Jacob is born, in other words, he doesn't have trust and he doesn't have patience. Because anytime you trust God, how many know you're going to need some patience with God? Some of us say we trust God, but if after two days God doesn't come through, we don't trust God. We trust ourselves more than we trust God. Trust comes with a little bit of patience of God. It's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for my husband, God, but I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I'm praying for my hubby, but I trust you, God. If he doesn't come soon enough, it's like, God, I'm taking this one. Thank you. <laughs> right? We don't trust God enough. So we do things in our own time and with our own hands. Jacob was born, and instead of trusting in the word of God, he begins to do whatever he wants. Some of you, you're in a relationship right now. You're in a marriage right now. You're going through trouble, and God is saying, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to restore it, but you don't have the patience or the trust, so you try to do things with your own hands. Ah, God is never going to do nothing in his life. God is never going to fix her, so I'm moving out. I'm divorcing. I'm over with. I'm not trusting that God's doing this. I'm not trusting that God's changing my child. I'm not trusting that God's going to give me this promotion. I'm not trusting that God's going to make a way for me. I'm not trusting that God's going to give me finances, so I'll treat, I'll lie. I'll steal. I'll do whatever I can because I don't trust the plan of God. So we do whatever we want. Have you ever not trusted a plan? Has somebody ever come up with a plan and you're like, ah, I don't trust that plan so much. I remember one time we were stuck in traffic and I grabbed the phone and I went on this app called Waze, right? It's like a GPS. And I put the directions to where we were going. And all of a sudden, it gives me an address. It gives me the place on how we were going there. And it tells me to go through 836. Now, if you've been in Miami for more than five years, you know that 836 is the highway to hell. It's always under construction. There's no way around it. You don't even want to get on there, especially during rush hour traffic. So what did I do? I looked at the plan and I said, I got a better plan. Waze doesn't know what he's talking about. I can get the streets. And if I get the streets, the streets save me and I'll go through the streets and I'll beat it and I'll beat traffic. How many know I was stuck in traffic way more than I ever was on the 836? Because I thought I knew more than ways. Some of us in here, we think we know more than God. God, I'll do things on my own plans. God, I'll get married when I want. I'll marry whoever I want. I'll do my own decisions. I'm going to trust what to do in my marriage with my own hands, with my own wisdom. In my job, I'll get ahead however I have to. I'll lie, I'll cheat, I'll steal because I trust myself more than I trust you. God today is telling some of us, you need to trust me a little bit more. How many know that trusting yourself only leads to a lack of strength? Trusting yourself and trying to do stuff on your own is only going to draw strength from you. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find what? New strength. It says they will soar high on wings like what? Like eagles. It says they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who trust in the Lord will get new strength. Some of you in here, you're running on old strength. Your, your gas is on empty. The tank is on empty. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm trying. I'm trying to trust God. I'm trying to move forward in life. But you are on empty, and you're tired because you've been trusting yourself. And God's like, if you trust me, I'll give you new strength. It says you'll soar like an eagle. Have you ever seen an eagle soar? That's a bad boy, right? Have you ever seen an eagle soar? It just spreads its wing, and it's just like, what's up? Anybody? I don't see nobody, right? It's just soaring. it. What's good? And it's just soaring for a while. It's not even flapping his wings. It's like, I mean, it just looks like a bad bird. It's like, okay. I, I see the, an eagle flying, and I want to sing the national anthem. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> All right? So you'll have strength like an eagle. Have you ever seen a chicken fly? <laughs> 
chicken with no strength, right? It's just like, brr, brr, brr. it's just trying to gain strength and it's trying to soar and it can't. And it's just like, brr, brr, brr. it's trying to get ahead and it has to hop and it lands and it hops again. Brr, brr, brr. Some of us is how we're going through life. Brr, brr, brr. I'll lie and cheat if I have to. I'll do whatever I can to get ahead. Brr, brr, brr. I'll deceive, I'll control. Brr, brr. Oh, we get to church on Sunday, we're like, Oh, where there is new wine, then we leave it. It's brr, brr, brr. We look like a chicken, and God's like, I want to make you an eagle. I want to make you soar with strength. If you trust me, I'll lift you up. I'll make you soar. Trust in my strength. Trust in my power. I'll help you. Brr, brr. <laughs> it's like, I made you to soar. I made you to go through life trusting in me. An eagle soars not because of his power, but because what is sustained by. There's a wind underneath the wings. God wants to bring a wind underneath your wings this afternoon. Are you tired of going on your own strength, your own plans, trying to control, trying to manipulate? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burdened? He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob actually, Jacob is in trouble now because he's been running for his brother, right? Like he, he knows his brother's out to kill him. The Bible says that Jacob goes to this faraway land and in that land he meets this woman and he wants to marry her and uh, the girl's dad is actually more of a hustler than he is. How many know that every hustler, there's a better hustler out there, right? Like, I can't nobody out hustle me. Yo, man, I'm like, no, there's a better hustler than you. Can't nobody out, no, can't nobody out hustle me. No, there's people out there. The father-in-law turned out to be more of a deceiver than Jacob. And he tricks Jacob. For 20 years, he has Jacob deceived. And Jacob is paying the price for how, many, how much times he's deceived people. And he has no control. And it ends up that he deceives Jacob, then Jacob deceives the father-in-law. And it's a mess for 20 years, right? And after 20 years, there's a problem with the father-in-law. And finally, God tells Jacob, I want you to go back to the land that I promised you. Go back. I'm going to restore what you lost. I'm going to help you. And Jacob's like, all right, fine. Jacob goes on his way. As he goes back on his way, he realizes that 20 years have passed, but his brother's still really upset at him. <laughs> like, talk about a bad grudge. His brother still wants to kill him. He's on his way with his entire family, with all the animals, with everything that he owns. And they come up to him. They say, hey, your brother Esau... He's coming after you with 400 men. Jacob's probably like, it's been 20 years. Is he serious? Like, I'm, come on, this is crazy. And still he tries to come up with his own schemes and his own plans. He says, okay, half of my family will go this way, half of my family will go that way. And if he catches one of us, then maybe he won't destroy the whole family. I mean, he's trying to come up with his own plan. Again, deceiving, conniving, heel catcher. And finally he's left with nothing. Like, finally he's like, okay, like, he, there's no more deceit. There's no more lies. There's no more cheating. Like, he, he's about to meet his brother face on. He's like, I'm in trouble now. Sometimes God will leave you with nothing just to show you that he's everything you need. Look what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa put it this way. You will never know God is all you need until God is all you have. He's at the end of his rope. He, he's lied enough. He's cheated enough. He's deceived enough. Like, like now he's done and, and now it's just him and God. He's like, okay, I'm going to send one family this way. I'm going to send another family this way. I got nothing. God help me. And he's calling God, but really in his call of God, it's not a true relationship with God. When he's calling God, he's just using God. Have you ever been in trouble and you're just like, oh, God, help me. The last time you prayed was like 50 years ago. <laughs> right? We all do it. 
He's like, oh, God, help me. But he doesn't even have a personal relationship with God because any time before Genesis chapter 32, you see that any time that Jacob relates to God, it's always through a relationship with his dad and his grandfather. He says, oh, God, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He never says my God until after 32, until after he had an encounter with God. God will never be your personal savior until you have a face-to-face -face encounter with him. You cannot have a relationship with God based off your mom, based off your dad, based off your cousin. God wants a personal relationship with you. And Jacob is about to have finally that face-to-face -face encounter with God. It says that one night he splits the families. He's about to meet his brothers the night before. And he's there. He's staying up all night. He can't sleep. He's like, oh, my God, tomorrow. Mi hermano, oh, my God. Oh, my God, there's going to be in trouble. And all of a sudden, a man appears. Now, when the Bible says that a man appears, it's actually a poetic way that they wrote it. But truly what it means is God himself. More, more, approximately more closer is really Jesus, the incarnate Jesus, before Jesus came to earth. Because Jesus was, is, and will always be. Jesus shows up. For sure, it's an angelic form. An angelic being shows up and begins to wrestle with Jacob. It's like, Jacob, you've been running your whole life. Jacob, you've been trying to do stuff your whole life. You've been deceiving, lying, cheating, trying to control everything. You cannot control anything. And God is trying to show him, Jacob, stop with the lying. Stop with the cheating. Stop with your own plans. Stop deceiving people. You depend on you more than you depend on me. And God is trying to show him, you need to depend on me. Some of us in here, you need to depend on God. You've been depending on people. You've been depending on relationships. You've been depending on your finances. You've been depending on your bed. You need to depend on God. Some of you in here, you're in here this afternoon, and you've been wrestling with God just like Jacob is wrestling. And you're like, God, but I got this. God, but I'll do this. God, I'll do it my way. God, but this is the plan that I have. God, this is where my life is supposed to be at. God, by now I'm supposed to be here. And you've been wrestling and wrestling because you don't understand God's plan. And so you wrestle and wrestle and wrestle with God. Jacob was so hard-headed. Jacob was so blind that he wrestled with God all night. Some of us, we've been wrestling with God for years. So God finally has to show him, your ways are not going to help you. Trust me, I have more power than you. So what does he do? God just reaches down and touches him in the hip just a little bit, where all of a sudden his hip comes out of his socket. He's like, okay, Jacob, you're not going to learn? Listen. <laughs> Jacob's like, oh, <laughs> just one little touch. And he realizes at that moment he's not fighting a man, he's fighting God. Some of us, we want a breakthrough in our life, but we won't get breakthrough until first we're broken down. Brokenness always precedes breakthrough. God doesn't want a prideful, arrogant heart before him. God wants a broken heart before him. To say, God, I'm a mess. God, I got issues. God, I don't have it all together. God, can you do something with my life? And the moment we're broken before him is the moment that God breaks through in our life. Because then God could do something with our life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your what? On your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. What are you depending on? What are you leaning on? He's like, lean on me. You've been leaning on your own strength. You've been leaning on your own wisdom, on your own wits. You've been trying to control everything your whole life. You can't control it. You can't control your husband. You can't control your wife. You can't control your kids. You can't control your future. You can't control your career. You can't 
You can't control your health. Can you just trust me with it? Can you just depend on me for strength? And he has to break him so that he understands. Jacob, for the rest of his life, has to walk with a limp. His hip was brought out of the socket, and for the rest of his life, he is limping. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith, as it's talking about Moses, David, Abraham, when it gets to Jacob, it says, by faith, Jacob, bless his children as he leaned on his staff. Even toward the end of his life, God is reminding us that Jacob, for the rest of his life, had to lean on God for faith. Some of us in here, there's, there's a broken area in our life, and God is allowing it for a moment so that you realize, lean on God, not on yourself. In your own strength, you're weak. In your own wisdom, you don't have enough. In your own knowledge, it's not great enough. But if you lean on God, he'll help you. As he's wrestling with God, finally he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Literally what he's saying is that he's clinging on. He's saying, God, I know I'm weak. Can you change me? That's basically what he's doing. I don't want to be the deceiver no more. I don't want to be the liar no more. And how does God respond? How does the angelic form respond? He says, what's your name? Now, I don't know if you read the Bible like me, but anytime I read the Bible and I see something like this, I'm like, wait a minute, this is weird. You're having a wrestling match and all of a sudden you say, what's your name? <laughs> this is weird. But what God wants Jacob to do is that God wants Jacob to confess his weakness. God wants him to admit, this is who I've been my whole life. So that God can then do something with his life. He says, what's your name? And Jacob says, Jacob. In other words, he says, I've been a deceiver. I've been a liar. I've been a heel catcher. I've been a conniver. This is me. And he's confessing who he is. Because God can't heal what we won't reveal. We need to bring it before his feet and say, God, this is my issue. This is my broken area. This is what I'm struggling with. God wants brokenness out of his people. He doesn't want people that are prideful or arrogant. He wants to humble people to say, God, I need you. I'm in need of you. I want more of you, God. I can't do it on my own. I've tried to do this life on my own. I've tried to live this life on my own strength, on my own mind. I've tried to do everything on my own. And God, I can't. I need you. God says, if you can come before him like that, then he'll bless you. And you'll say, don't worry, son, I got you. Don't worry, daughter, I've always had my hand over your life. I have a hope and a future for you. Jacob, what he needed to learn at the very end of his life was to surrender it all to God. Some of us in here, that's the thing that we need today. We need to surrender. You've been fighting, you've been controlling, manipulating. God, but I got this. God, but I, I know a little bit more than you. God, but I, I want a little bit faster than you do it. God, my plans and my ideas and my goals and my will. And God's like, can you just surrender? Surrender that broken area. Confess it. Tell me. I'm your father. I love you. I got you. I got plans and purposes for you. Some of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time, but we still haven't surrendered a lot of our lives. We've surrendered our heart and maybe half of it. <laughs> but we haven't surrendered our marriage yet. We've surrendered our heart, but we haven't surrendered our future yet. We've surrendered our heart, but we haven't surrendered the relationships that we're in yet. We've surrendered our heart, but we haven't surrendered our wallet yet. Hello? <laughs> We've surrendered, but, but we are still got our hand in everything else. Surrender, but I still got a hold of my temper. I still got a hold of my character. I still got a hold of my attitude. It's who I am. It's just my person. God says, surrender. Just, just put it at my feet and watch what I'll do with your life. 
Last verse, Jesus, when he's calling disciples to follow after him, he makes it sure that they understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35, it says, Jesus calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Look what he says in verse 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you will what? Jesus says, you're going to try to hang on to your life, you're going to end up losing it. You can't control your life. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Some of you in here, you need to lose your life today. Say, God, I surrender my life to you. God is calling us to be broken before him and to surrender it all. Some of you in here, you know what you need to do? You need to get the next four weeks and go to growth track. And say, God, I surrender. Stop trying to be the person that says, I know it all. I've been in church my whole life. Give, give us four weeks. In four weeks, what is God going to do with your life? As you surrender every area, as he says, I'm going to show you what it means to follow me, to be plugged into a church. I'm going to show you what it means to be a part of something. You got to surrender an area. Some of you, you need to surrender. You need to give God, not one day, give God one year of your life and say, God, I'm totally going after you with all my life. Some of you in here, you need to surrender to God. Join a church. I don't care if it's not this church, but you need to get in a church, throw your life in a church and say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get in a connect group. I'm going to be part of relationships. But you need to surrender your life. And watch what God can do with what we call issues and messes. God turns them into heroes of the faith. Come on, can we stand up on our feet all across this place? I'm going to ask every person of you, if you can, if you're able, stand up on your feet. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. All across this auditorium, as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I really believe that God is calling some people to trust Him this afternoon, to depend on Him and to surrender fully to Him. I've been there. I've been, I've been trying to control my own life. I, I've been trying to form my own will. And for days, months, years, God, but it's my way. God, but it's this way. And God finally has to show me, like, no, you... you you need, you, need, you need some brokenness. Some people in here, God, God is wrestling. And you've been wrestling with God. God's just trying to show you. I want to do something with your life. If you could just surrender it. With every eye closed, with every head bowed all across this auditorium. Maybe you're in here, this is your first time, second time. Or maybe you've been coming for a while and... You don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't even know if God wants anything to do with me. Maybe you're thinking, Alex, that's probably for you or for somebody else, but not me because you don't know what I've been through. I want to tell you this afternoon, I don't know what you've been through, but God knows what you've been through. And I really believe that God brought you in here with a purpose and with a plan, that God loves you so much. God doesn't, God doesn't care what you did yesterday, last week, or last month. He's madly in love with you right now. In fact, I really believe that he brought you in here just so that you can hear this. God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Doesn't matter how messed up you think you are. Doesn't matter how broken or how many issues you think you have. We learned today that God uses people with issues. People with broken areas. The Bible says that God can't be with sin. And all of us are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place. We are all sinners before God. We've messed up, we've lied, we cheated, we've had wrong thought. All of us have fallen short of God's standard. And God can't be with sin, so God sent his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin, all of your sin. 
And the Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus grabbed all of our flaws, all of our mistakes, the things that people know about, the things that nobody knows about. Jesus carried them for us. He went up on a cross and the Bible says that Jesus died for humanity. There on that cross, he paid the price for you and for me, for our sins. He was laid down in a grave and after three days, the Bible says that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Jesus, he's alive today and he's offering life. He's offering a relationship with God. He's offering forgiveness of your sins. Today, he's offering you a brand new start. I'm going to ask every eye closed, every head bowed all across this auditorium. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I want a relationship with God. I want a brand new start. I want forgiveness of sins. I want to start brand new today. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. I want to count to three. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to hand you a mic. In fact, every eye closed, every head bowed. But you're just raising your hand as an act of faith to say, I need God. I want you to hold it up just for a second and then you can put it right back down. Today you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I want a relationship with God. I need Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Today's the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. Can you hold it up just a second longer? I see you. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. Hands raised up everywhere. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for all these hands that have been raised. All over this auditorium, every person that today is putting their faith and their trust in you. Seal this moment with your Holy Spirit. With eyes closed and head bowed, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church, we're going to repeat this out loud. We're going to say it together as a family. And you're not alone. you got a family and a community here with you. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner. And that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved. I'm forgiven. And I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.